Today on the Locked On Blues podcast, the Colorado Avalanche did it. They won the Stanley Cup over the Tampa Bay Lightning. They slayed the Goliath. Incredibly impressive stuff there. They won 2-1 in a pretty thrilling game. We'll be talking about that. And on the other hand, the Springfield Thunderbirds, the Blues AHL affiliate, unfortunately lost in the Calder Cup final to the Chicago Wolves, losing 4-1 in their final game. So they weren't able to claim the championship there. And then finally, it looks like the Blues might actually keep Billy Huso, or at least try to, based on a few reports. So I'll be getting into all of that and more on today's episode. Make sure you stay tuned. Your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Locked On Blues Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and your number one source for daily blues content. I'm your host, Josh Hyman, as always, and I got a fun, fun episode for you today, sort of the first, not sort of, well, the, the first uh, postseason episode for the NHL, as the Colorado Avalanche recently became Stanley Cup champions with a 2-1 thrilling win over the Tampa Bay Lightning in Game 6 to avoid going to a Game 7. Uh, Going to be start with talking about that. Obviously, before I get into that, though, I want to thank anyone and everyone out there for making Lockdown Blues your first listen, because podcast is free and available on all podcast platforms. You know, especially now in the, in the offseason, there's not as much going on, not as much sports going on. Make Lockdown Blues part of your daily routine. I'll, I'll keep the hockey news flowing, I promise. Um, that being said, though, speaking of hockey news, well, there's about the biggest news you could get in that the NHL crowned a Stanley Cup champion. And that is the Colorado Avalanche, a team that had like 20 wins five years ago in 2016-17, one of the worst teams in NHL history, uh, has certainly rebounded nicely, turned themselves into an absolute juggernaut, and proved that this year by winning the Stanley Cup over one of the greatest dynasties we've seen in this league in a long time, in the Tampa Bay Lightning, who had won back-to-back Stanley Cups and looked to win three in a row for the first time in all major sports in like 20 years. I don't remember what the last team was, but hasn't been a three-peat in a long time. And Tampa was looking primed to do it. Um, I think a lot of people pretty much discounted every single team that Tampa went up against, including the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, but look, let's, let's, let's set the stage here. Let's, let's look at what Tampa did to get to where they, to where they were. I've said this a few times, um, but still, it, it needs to be said, especially now that Colorado has has completed their goal and won the Stanley Cup. So Tampa started out round one playing against an extremely good Toronto Maple Leafs team um, and took them to seven. You know, uh, it's it's Toronto. Of course, they're going to go to game seven. It's it's written in, in, the, in the hockey law book um, that the Toronto Maple Leafs must lose in game seven in the first round every year. It's literally happened five years in a row. So, you know, say say what you want about that. But still, that Tampa, that Toronto team was extremely good extremely deep and played great hockey and they were this close to uh exercising their first round demons beating their first round demons but they were unable to because you know the Tampa Bay Lightning did what they do and closed out in game seven round two the Tampa Bay Lightning matchup against one of the top teams in the league in the Florida Panthers president's trophy winning team I believe um and just you know a, a juggernaut and they hold them to three goals in the entire series like holy crap it was 
like one of the most lopsided playoff series I can remember as my time as a hockey fan. The Tampa Bay Lightning just made the Florida Panthers look like an AHL team out there. It was unbelievable. And it's not like this was some eight seed that just snuck into the playoffs. It was a team that a lot of people had uh, Stanley Cup hopes for. And a lot of teams, a lot of people had the Panthers penciled in as Stanley Cup finalist, Stanley Cup winner. And they just got outclassed, outplayed. And I think at that point, people were looking at Tampa like, oh man, they really might do it again. And then you get to round three and they go up against the New York Rangers, a team that kind of Cinderella story, you know, traditional, really good hockey team, not too top heavy, great goaltender in Igor Shesterkin. And then they go down 2-0 against the New York Rangers and everyone thinks, oh man, this is finally it. This is finally the time when the Lightning would be vanquished. And I believe they were down 2-0 in that game three that would have sent them down 3-0. And then they came back and they won that game. It didn't look back and won four straight to beat the New York Rangers in six to return to the Stanley Cup Finals. And at that point, I feel like it was just hard to hard to bet against the the Tampa Bay Lightning. At that point, it was just they had they had conquered everything. They had absolutely dominated rounds of the playoffs, uh, grit and grinded through other rounds. And here they were in the Stanley Cup Final. And then in, in steps the Colorado Avalanche, a team that you know hadn't been to the Stanley Cup Final in a long time, had been. Had been, you know, threatening for a little bit. Had some really good teams in years past, but hadn't quite been there. Didn't quite have the experience. Um, and it was it was a tall task for the Colorado Avalanche. And they came out guns blazing. They they I think struck fear in Tampa that Tampa hadn't seen in a lot. Excuse me, in a very long time. Um, going up three one in the series at one point really felt like, you know, this this was it for Tampa. But then Tampa comes out. They make it three to two, and then at that point, you know, I feel like anything is possible. And then you get into that that game six, um, where Tampa takes the early lead, and it really felt like they were going to force a game seven and have this be, you know, an all time classic series. But Colorado bared down, tied it up uh, in that second, and then took the lead later in the second period. And then the third period defensive masterclass from the Colorado Avalanche is something that I'm going to talk about in this upcoming second segment because I think it deserves its entire own portion the way that Colorado was able to look like one of the best defenses we've ever seen in that third period of game six and just absolutely dominate the Tampa Bay Lightning so I'm talking about that and then I'm also gonna be talking about how hey the Blues beat the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Colorado Avalanche just as many times as Tampa did made up two of four losses are the Blues a top three team in the NHL because of that maybe stay tuned for this second segment to find out my thoughts on that uh, but first, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.net. Now, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoff. Well, I guess, never mind. Not anymore. Uh, and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events including MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. And I'll be right back with the second half of today's episode. All right, all right, all right. So third period of that game. 2-1 Colorado. You assume that John Cooper's in the locker room, you know, ripping into Tampa, telling them about how you've been here before. You've won back-to-back cups. You know you know how to win a big period. You know, you assume that Tampa is going to come out and just play absolutely dominant hockey in that third period. And then they don't get a shot on goal for like the first 10 minutes of the period. Um, unbelievable stuff from Colorado, who their defense is good, but it was probably 
you know, it, it definitely got overshadowed by their offense and, you know, the rest of their game throughout the playoff run. I don't think anyone really looked at the Colorado Avalanche as a team like, oh yeah, their, their elite defense is going to take them far, but their elite defense won them a Stanley Cup, at least in that third period. You know, Tampa is a team that, like I said, has been there before, um, rivals Colorado in terms of their forward depth, knows how to score, knows how to put pressure on, knows how to, you know, stay in games that they have no business staying in. And, Colorado, led by Darcy Kemper, who I was critical of after the Blues series and thought that he wouldn't be able to uh, lead a team to a Stanley Cup, sure enough, proved me wrong uh, and and just put on a absolute masterclass of a defensive third period. It was unbelievable watching that third period. It was like it was like it was like a, a sports movie. The way that it was just working so perfectly for Colorado, it was unreal. Just the way that they limited Tampa's offense and made them frustrated and it's like it's like they were they were hiding that they were hiding that defensive scheme for the third period of a clinching game because where was that the rest of the series you know obviously I think it's a little bit easier to take your game up to another level and and you know play with that adrenaline when you're 20 minutes away from winning a Stanley Cup but it was it was crazy to watch what Colorado transformed into in that third period and you know you could say that oh Tampa dropped the ball you could look at Nikita Kucherov on that final shift um throwing his gloves at the equipment manager which first of all okay I, I this 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 kind of just spurned my head. Tampa, they're they're sore losers, and that wasn't just this year. There were times in the past when they would get down, and and Kucherov especially would start throwing dirty hits, and, and John Cooper, the coach, would get a little a little a little uh uh I don't know what the word is a little a little sassy in some of his post game interviews. I mean, I think you saw that when he blamed some of the losses on the altitude and and was freaking out about that too many men play. I think you could see that Tampa doesn't like losing, and they don't take losing on the chin. Um, the best, and I think that was pretty clear when Nikita Kucherov threw his gloves at the equipment manager. Now, a little backstory there, in case you missed it. Um, Kucherov breaks his stick with about 30 seconds to go in the game. Incredibly frustrating for him. Feel for him there. Gets over the bench, and the equipment manager doesn't have a stick ready. That sucks. If, if I'm Nikita Kucherov, I'm frustrated as all heck there. 30 seconds left in the most important game of the season, and you don't have a stick ready for me. But then he does something that I think is a little over the line. He takes his gloves and just just full speed baseball pitch whips him at this equipment manager. And it's like, come on, you know that's something that I feel like you would expect to see in a in a in a you know U fourteen game or, or something like that with with the with the coach's son that thinks he's all that that thinks he could just mistreat the equipment manager. Yeah, the emotions are high. Yeah, it's the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, you're running on adrenaline, but show a little tall class. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to get into that too much. You know, I think I think the video speaks for itself. I think if you watch the video, it, it's pretty clear that Kucherov overreacted a little bit. But besides the point, um, he was frustrated, and that was because the Colorado Avalanche played incredible defense. Like it was, it was truly insane to watch what I thought was going to be a offensive masterclass from Tampa to fight and claw their way back into the game turn into just Tampa can't do anything no matter how hard they try. I don't know how many shots they finished the period with, but I know they had like two through the first 11 minutes, which was incredible. Um, like, it, especially because Colorado, that wasn't their game, you know? that I mean, yeah, they had good defense, but it wasn't their game to shut you down defensively. Uh, they just more relied on their offense. But to show that they were capable of you know, winning a defensive battle and winning a game 2-1, winning that sort of game 2-1 just goes to show how much talent they had and that maybe, maybe you know, the criticisms that they got for their defense and their goaltending only was because their offense was so good that they kind of 
they kind of relaxed a little bit on that end. Um, but that being said, what does this mean for the St. Louis Blues? The Colorado Avalanche win the Stanley Cup. And I know people, I, I posted on Twitter, and everyone was like, yeah, but oh, here's your, here's your beat Colorado twice banner. Which, okay, that's, that's kind of funny. That's, that's a little bit funny. Um, but, I mean, the, the fact still stands. The Colorado Avalanche just steamrolled their way to a Stanley Cup, swept the first two rounds, only lost two games to the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. And, oh, yeah, they also lost two games. Or they didn't sweep the first two rounds, sorry. They swept the first and third round. Um, and then they, they also lost two games in the second round to a little team called the St. Louis Blues. Uh, and the thing that, that that really means to me is I think the Blues, th- that series was absolutely the Western Conference Final, which um, I think there's no secret there. Uh, I think the Blues would have pretty handedly beat the Edmonton Oilers in the in the conference final. I don't know if it would have been a sweep, but I still think that they would have won. Um, and I also think the Blues could have beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in the cup final. Uh, obviously, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. You never really know there. But I think the Blues are one of the top four teams in the league based off of the, what these playoffs mean. Things could change during the offseason. You know, players could put could regress. Players for other teams could progress. They, and that's not to say that they're going to be a top four team at the start of the next season. But the way that these playoffs went and the way that the Blues were able to counter the Colorado Avalanche in a way that, honestly, the Tampa Bay Lightning couldn't. Now, yeah, they both won um, two games against them. But you look at Kale McCarr, a guy that had 29 points or more than that, 30, I don't, I don't know how many points he had. He had a ton of points. He won the Conn Smythe. He won the Norris. He's probably the best defenseman in the NHL and is going to be for a long time. And he struggled immensely in the Blues series. Nathan McKinnon struggled immensely in the Blues series. Darcy Kemper struggled immensely in the Blues series, so much so that there were talks about them starting their backup goalie at one point. Um, it, it's impressive that the Blues were able to take the Stanley Cup champions to the woodshed that much and, and, and force them to adapt as much as they did. Now, obviously, the Blues still lost in six, so you know, can I really sit here and say, oh, yeah, the Blues are... Blues are right there, you know. Maybe not, but it's it's certainly impressive to to lose to the team that wins the Stanley Cup, and it's also impressive to lose to the team that wins the Stanley Cup in such um, dominant fashion, and to lose to the team. And you were you were just you're right there. You're right there. You're you're five seconds away from sending that game six to overtime, and then if that happens, who knows what happens with the series? And hey, I, I hate to I hate to say this. I hate to be that guy, but Jordan Bennington stays healthy in that series. Who knows? Who knows how good the Blues would have been able to be in this playoff run if Bennington stayed, stayed healthy. Um, means means good things for the Blues next season, absolutely. Uh, and I'm going to be starting to talk about the Blues next season, starting with a guy named Billy Huso, who it looks like the Blues might might actually try to bring back, uh, which is a surprise to me. So make sure you stay tuned for this third segment where I'm going to be talking about that and a little bit about the Springfield Thunderbirds. Make sure you stay tuned. All right, all right, all right. So, third and final segment today. Got to start off with a little bit of bad news. The Springfield Thunderbirds lost 4-0 in, I think, game five or six. I don't know. They they It wasn't a game seven, that's for sure. Um, they lost to the Chicago Wolves 4-0, and the Chicago Wolves won the Calder Cup. Springfield came close, but they weren't able to uh, to beat Chicago. I think they got shut out a couple times. Their offense really struggled in that series. Um, but still... They got that experience. They got a deep playoff run in them. Uh, a couple of the younger guys combined with like James Neal, I think is going to be a really, really strong uh, uh, push for their development. Um, 
you know, James Neal was one of the better players for the Springfield Thunderbirds in that run, and he's a veteran. He's been there before. I've said it before. Um, it's going to be great to have these young guys in the AHL system uh, have this experience and, and have this deep playoff run. And, you know, a couple of those guys were around the Blues when they had their cup run. So it's like they, those guys have been there before, and maybe they were, you know, down in the AHL or, or on the Black Aces or Strash or whatever. But having those guys who kind of observed from a from an outsider's perspective when the Blues did it in 2019, being able to be part of a team that did it themselves this year, I think there's no surprise there. And I also think it's going to do wonders for their development and really create an environment of playoff performers uh, in St. Louis hockey. I think, you know, the, the Blues obviously are made up of guys that have been there before, but when the roster turnover starts and when you got these AHL guys coming up, you can look at the fact that this, you know, 2022 Springfield Thunderbirds team made it to the Calder Cup finals and say, okay, yeah, maybe they don't have that playoff experience at an NHL level, but they have it at an AHL level. And, and you know, it's the whole been there before sort of thing. It, it, it helps a lot. So it, it's great to see that they, they had that much success. I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do next year because I still think that they're going to have a really stacked team with the Blues having as much depth as they do. Um, so that should be exciting. Speaking of, though, speaking of depth, it looks like the Blues might actually be looking to bring Billy Huso back, as I said. Let me try to pull up the, the tweet um, that I saw regarding Billy Huso. Um, been lots of, it's from Andy Strickland. Been lots of chatter, but I expect the St. Louis Blues to make a real effort to extend Billy Huso. He loves it in St. Louis and has a great relationship with Jordan Binnington. So that could mean two things and probably likely means two things. Um, a, his agent and him have tested the market and there isn't as much of a desire for him as maybe he thought, maybe I thought. I thought that he was going to be able to find a starting role pretty easily. Um and for, you know, a decent chunk of change, it looks like that might not be the case. But also, maybe it is, and he just is happier in St. Louis. You know, that could be the case as well. He could be happy with sort of a 1B slash backup role. Um, I don't think he's going to be able to do what he did this season and, and kind of take Jordan Bennington's job from him. I, I, I really highly doubt that that will happen two seasons in a row. Uh, and I think Huso probably knows that. I don't think that he wants to come back to St. Louis and, and compete for the starter spot necessarily and that's especially telling given his quote that he loves his relationship with Jordan Bennington so it could honestly be more of just a a, a, a culture fit and a comfort fit for who so maybe he's not going to get quite as many starts here as he would get somewhere else maybe he won't get quite as much money I don't know but there's something about St. Louis and you know his relationship with the roster and the organization that makes him want to come back and I think if the price is right then you absolutely extend Billy Huso now where that gets a little a little concerning is the fact that you do have Jordan Bennington locked up on a large deal, long-term deal um, there. And you don't want to have, at least in my opinion, you don't want to have two goalies for a combined $10 million for the next four years. I think I think you can do a little bit better at backup. Not a little bit better, but I think you can do a little bit better price-wise. So if the price is right, absolutely bring Billy Huso back. But if he's going to be uh, asking for that money that he would have commanded on the market, which I suspect is like $3, 4000000 million, I think that might be a little too much, a little, a little too steep for the Blues, um, just because... Him and Bennington would both be uh, over 30 years old when that deal ends, and they'd both be making, you know, Bennington's making six, and if Huso's making two, that's $10 million tied up in your goaltending. And I don't know if that's something that the Blues want to do. It's not something that I would want the Blues to do, but hey, maybe I'm wrong. Um, either way, though, it would be great to see Billy Huso back in the Blues uniform for the right price. Uh, he's a guy that has a ton of experience. He's a guy that now has playoff experience. Uh, and who knows? Maybe 
maybe due to his progression, maybe he would become an elite starter next year and the Blues have some shake up their sleeve. I don't know. Either way, I'm going to have it coming for you here all on the Locked On Blues podcast, but that is all the time I have for you today. So make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to me on. That way you never miss a new upload. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel at Locked On Blues. Hit that notification bell. That way whenever a new video, new episode comes out, you'll be the first to know. Also leave a like, leave a comment, all that fun stuff. All that traditional YouTuber stuff that I've been pretending to say since I've I've had a fake YouTube channel when I was younger. I can actually say that for real now. Yeah, like and subscribe and share and I don't know, whatever. Um, God, I'm, I got off track there. <laughs> uh, follow Lockdown Blues on all of our social accounts uh, at Lockdown Blues on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Follow me on Twitter at Josh Hyman NHL. Stay tuned for some lots of fun off-season episodes. I'm going to be trying to get some guests on the show and all that fun stuff, so stay tuned for that. That being said, thank you all so much for listening, and as always, let's go Blues.